Karen, it's so great to be giving the message this morning and to see um, all of your faces here live and for everybody online, and a special good morning to uh, those folks who I, I get to, to minister to every week as, uh, as we experience the online chat. So it is great to see uh, all of you this morning. Well, this week we continue our, our series on Kazone or, or purpose, and in, in this week's uh, in this week's sermon, we're going to take a look at uh, the nature of Joseph and Joseph realizing his power and beginning to, to live it out. We've been looking at our Kazone and trying to find out what our purpose is, and, and hopefully you have at this point in time uh, maybe sat down to, to write out your mission. You've taken a, look at, uh, taken a look at your spiritual gifts to see uh, what's in you that you can release, that you can use as part of your purpose. So now that, that we've looked at that and, and that you have started to discover what your purpose is, it's time to start to live it out. And in doing so, we can, we can start to investigate even more um, how God wants us to use our life and how, how he wants us to live so that ultimately we live what is a spirit-driven life and, and one that seeks to glorify God because in, in doing so, we, we live the life that he wants us to have. Now, now I know this sounds daunting, and, and believe me, I can, I can tell you this. I, I can spend uh, many hours during the week asking God, what do you want me to do? What am I supposed to do in my career, in my life, in my service to church? What, what is it that you have in store for me? So I know it's not easy. I, I know it's not a simple thing that, that, that we're going to answer in, in five weeks. I know it's something that we can't typically answer um, in, in six months. It's a, it's a lifetime journey. Uh, but I think for many of us, the... the the issue isn't, can we answer it quickly? It's how can we continue to revise what it is that we do? How can we continue to investigate our lives in a way that will glorify God? I look at it as a, 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 the nature of constant revision in our lives. It's a quest for self-improvement. And all along, we sort of take baby steps to find ourselves and to put ourselves in the right direction. But I want to say this, before we discount the idea that it's difficult for us to use our kazone, when I look around this church, I see so many people who have embraced uh, what is their purpose and have, have started to utilize it. And, and through my service over the years, I, I've, I've witnessed so many people, and, and many of you are out there, and I'm going to say this is almost going to feel like one of those acceptance speeches at the, at the Oscars or the Grammys where somebody stands up and wants to thank everybody. And I know that I will miss some individuals. I can't name all of you, but, but as, I, as, I was, as I was praying over this, there were so many people who came to mind. People like Lori Freed and Kathy Moomy. Who, who used their, their musical skills to lead the choir and orchestra and, and, and stepped up to do that. People like Scott Cass, who, who leads the Toastmasters, teaching and conveying the art of public speaking, which is said to be one of the biggest fears that people have in their lives. Of Jay Kratz, who personally journeyed uh, across the country to help people who are in need and who leads the response crew. We have nurses and medical people who have, have answered the call and gone on mission trips to, to places like uh, Guatemala, people like Barb Westwood, 
Uh, I've, seen, I've seen people like Debbie Coots, who have a, a heart and a passion for hospitality, leading women's ministries. Bob Gianetti supports men with his life group and meets men where they are and provides pastoral care and support through friendship and, and through the things that a life group can do. Dave Snyder rides with the trail riders and QBs, our men's ministry. Our Stephen ministers and our lay pastors provide uh, unbelievable care to, uh, to all the people who need it uh, as, as they serve as, as lay pastors and Stephen ministers, and they extend the ability that we can as our pastoral staff. And, and Paul Miller, who, who will reach out to, to take communion to people who are shut-ins and offer words of encouragement every week when he's here at church. It's people who, who, who serve behind the scenes. Every person who's on our tech team that's making this service happen right now are using their skills to drive some of the things that we do here at church. Um, they, they are necessary components. The people who served in our, uh, in our, in our Christmas uh, season, who were out voicing, uh, voicing acting parts outside as, as people were on a journey to find Jesus. It's the people who serve at VBS, the, all the countless faces that, that, that make that happen. Or, or the team that serves with Pastor Gill on missions, who are now reaching out and, and, and conveying the message of what our missions are doing. Randy Dittman, who's up here every week, who has played just about every instrument on the stage except for the keyboard. And Dale McCauley is always there playing the keys. The list goes on. There are so many people who contribute to the life of this church. Like I said, I, I can't name all of you. But know that every one of you, as you serve, serves a critical function and is responding to your purpose, so responding to your kazone, what God has intended for you. So the question isn't about whether you can use your skills. The question is how you will use your skills. The question is, how will you serve in a way that glorifies God through your actions? But no matter how any of the people I mentioned serve or anybody who's ever served in the church, they all have something in common. At some point in time, they took the first step. They were willing to step out of what might be their comfort zone to live out their kazone. Now, over the past few weeks, we've been looking at the story of Joseph and following his life as, as he learned about his skills and how he stuck with his foundational ideas and, and discovered that kazone. So let's look at how Joseph put it into action. We pick up the scripture of Pharaoh sharing his dream with Jesus, or with Joseph, excuse me, seeking his guidance and interpretation from the book of Genesis, chapter 41, verses 17 through 24. So Pharaoh told Joseph his dream. In my dream, he said, I was standing on the bank of the river Nile, and I saw seven fat, healthy cows come up out of the river and begin grazing in the marsh grass. But then I saw seven sick-looking cows, scrawny and thin, come up after them. I never saw such sorry-looking animals in all the land of Egypt. These thin, scrawny cows ate the seven fat cows. But afterward, you wouldn't have known it, for they were still as thin and scrawny as before. Then I woke up. In my dream, I also saw seven heads of grain, full and beautiful, growing on a single stalk. Then seven more heads of grain appeared. But these were blighted, shriveled, and withered by the east wind. 
And the shriveled heads swallowed the seven healthy heads. I told these dreams to the magicians, but no one could tell what they meant. Now, we know Joseph had previously interpreted the dreams of the cupbearer and was forgotten about until the cupbearer remembered that, G, that, that, that Joseph had this skill, though Joseph gave God the credit. So when all the others failed, when all the others couldn't help Pharaoh, he called on him, and Joseph did not pass on the opportunity. We continue in Genesis 41 in verses 25 through 30. Joseph responded, both of Pharaoh's dreams mean the same thing. God is telling Pharaoh in advance what he's about to do. The seven healthy cows and the seven healthy heads of grain both represent seven years of prosperity. The seven thin scrawny cows that came up later and the seven thin heads of grain withered by the east wind represent seven years of famine. This will happen just as I've described it, for God has revealed to Pharaoh in advance what he's about to do. The next seven years will be a period of great prosperity throughout the land of Egypt, but afterwards there will be seven years of famine so great that the prosperity will be forgotten about in Egypt. In response to Joseph's interpretation of the dream, Joseph is put in charge. He's fulfilling his purpose. Verses 37 through 40 continue. Joseph's suggestions were well received by Pharaoh and his officials. So Pharaoh asked his officials, can we find anyone else like this man, so obviously filled with the Spirit of God? Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, since God has revealed the meaning of the dreams to you, clearly no one else is as intelligent or wise as you are. You will be in charge of my court, and all of my people will take orders from you. Only I, sitting on my throne, will have a rank higher than yours. Joseph and his use of his skill put him in a place to make a difference. In return, two things happen, and I think these are, are some of the most critical pieces of the scripture this morning. The first thing is, is that Joseph is recognized to be a leader and is put in charge by Pharaoh. But here's the other thing that I think is really important. In verse 38, we see that Pharaoh has recognized that Joseph is filled with the Spirit of God. By his actions, Joseph illuminates God. Remember that last week we learned that, uh, that, that when Pharaoh put Joseph in charge of all of Europe, it was to fill his kazon of saving many lives. His talent and gift was just a piece. Once Joseph was no longer imprisoned and with the attention of the Pharaoh, it became his responsibility to live out that kazone. You know, during the seven years of the, of the, the feasting times, Joseph oversaw the collection of, uh, of, of grain so that it would be available during that time period where they would be in famine. In Genesis 41, verses 47 through 49, and verses 53 through 57, we hear the rest of the story and hear that, that Joseph was really successful in what he did, so much so that not only were the people in Egypt saved, but they were able to save people far beyond the borders of Egypt. As a matter of fact, Joseph's family back in the land of Canaan were also facing that same famine in starvation. Uh, as a matter of fact, history even tells us that typically speaking, when there was a famine, 
in one country, it impacted all of them. Joseph, Joseph probably had no idea that his actions would impact beyond his, his realm and his focus in Egypt. And then what happens? Well, his father Jacob tells Joseph's brothers that they have to go to Egypt to buy grain or else they will die. So Jacob's son, his sons go to Egypt to buy grain. In chapter 42, verses 1 through 3, we hear that when Jacob heard that the grain was available in Egypt, he told his sons, why are you standing around looking at one another? I've heard there's grain in Egypt. Go down there and buy enough grain to keep us alive. Otherwise, we'll die. So Joseph's ten older brothers went to Egypt to buy grain. You know, when you look back now in the story, you realize we have now come full circle. Joseph's brothers started out with a plan to harm Joseph. Yet he's in the only place where he could have helped. You see, there was more to Joseph's kazone than he likely knew. We learned weeks ago that God's hand was in everything that he could do to save the lives of many people. Genesis 50 verse 20 says, You intended to harm me, but God intended it all for good. He brought me to this position so that I could save the lives of many people. But you know, the Bible teaches us that that's not all that, that God had in mind. It wasn't just for saving Joseph's family, and it wasn't just for saving the people of Egypt. God had promised Joseph's great-grandfather Abraham that his descendant would be a blessing to many people. You know, Joseph may not have known about that promise, but, but God did. God also knew that promise would be fulfilled by the Messiah, Jesus. If we look at the opening of the book of Matthew, chapter 1, verses 2 through 3, we, we see Jesus' lineage. We have Jacob and Judah, his son, and Perez, Judah's son, and Hezron, Perez's son, and so on. And, and as we open up the book, it takes us all the way through the lineage until we find Jesus, the Messiah. So when Joseph's brothers came to Egypt to save their family, Joseph's grain would not only save his family and the Egyptians, but it would also save the lives of those in Jesus' lineage. Now, now I know, when we start to, to try to measure our, our lives against the people in the Bible, it can be, it can be a difficult thing because... It, we, we may not feel like we have the same um, relevance as somebody who's a direct descendant of Jesus. And it almost feels like we'd be inflating ourselves if we try to give ourselves that type of importance. But, but here's the thing. What if we put our, our focus on a more personal level? What if we think about the fact that our actions do have an impact right now right here on earth. How would it impact somebody else? How do our actions impact somebody else's life? We don't need to be Joseph and directly in the, the line of the lineage of the Messiah to make a difference in people's lives. We don't need to be there in that lineage to illuminate God. All we simply need to do is live out our purpose, live with the gifts that we are blessed with and use them. Now, my top spiritual gift is the gift of exhortation. 
and I know what you're thinking because it's the same thing that I very often think about when I hear the term. It almost sounds like I like to talk a lot. This is what happens when you, when you give the preacher a pedestal to, to speak out from. Um, but, but here's the thing. It's, it's not that. It's, it's actually exhortation is more than that. Um, as an educator, as a matter of fact, the, the, the gift fits me and fits who I am. You see, the gift of exhortation is one to give support and encouragement. And sometimes a word of warning when it's needed. It's a teaching gift, but it's also a gift of counsel as well. And, and I will tell you, I love to be there to give support and encouragement. I, I love to, to support other leaders by giving direction and advice, and sometimes to be able to look beyond the, the, the blinders that sometimes that we wear. Now, as a teacher, I don't always know the direct impact that my words and my actions have. But sometimes I do. Sometimes I even see it in the, in the long term. Sometimes I look at Facebook and I, I see the young adults that my former students have grown into. I see the successes that they have. I, I see the things that they have, they have done in their lives. And, and even sometimes I'm blessed to still be in touch with them and to know who they have grown into. But sometimes this gift is, is immediate and unexpected. Uh, one night, I was at the drive-thru. I, I went out to pick up dinner for my family. I was at a fast food restaurant. I got in the drive-thru, and the woman at the drive-thru leaned out the window, and she said, Oh, it's been one of those days that the Lord has been testing me. And I said to her, the good news is that even in the midst of those trials, that he is still there, and I'd pray that, that he would give her a boost. She was overwhelmed with emotion when I said that. It was just what she needed to hear. All she needed was a little bit of support. One person, one word can make a difference when we use our kazone. When we use our kazone to influence the world, uh, we, we influence the world for Jesus. Pharaoh saw the light of God in Joseph when he used his gift, and that's something that we need to remember every day. You don't need to stand on a pulpit or hand out flyers to people to illuminate God through your actions. There are so many things that you can do. Now, I'm going to tell you that this is all reinforced throughout the New Testament. And there's some heavy hitters in the Bible who are going to tell you that you need to use your kazoo. In 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 10 through 11, we hear that God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. Do you have the gift of speaking? Then, then speak as though God himself were speaking through you. Do you have the gift of helping others? Do it with the strength and energy that God supplies. Then everything you do will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ. All glory and power to him forever and ever. Amen. Peter tells us that when we use our gifts, we bring glory to God. So use your gifts. We're going to hear the same message from Paul. In the book of Romans, chapter 12, verses 4 through 9. Just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body and we all belong to each other. In his grace, God has given us different gifts for, for certain things as well. So if God has given you the ability to prophecy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. 
If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you are a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it is giving, give generously. And if God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. Don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Hate what is wrong. Hold on tightly to what is good. By using our gifts, we show love to others. That's the message. And finally, we turn to Jesus, who makes the message even clearer. And we hear directly from him why we are to use our talents. In the book of Matthew, chapter 5, verses 13 through 16, Jesus says, You are the salt of the earth. But what good is salt if it's lost its flavor? Can you make it salty again? It will be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless. You are the light of the world. Like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. That lamp leads to praise for God. Jesus tells us that we need to use our gifts. Salt gives things flavor. Salt was one of the most important seasonings in the Middle East. So important it was used as payment. It preserves what is good. And so to every one of you. Jesus continues by saying that we are a light in the world, that that light can shine no matter where we are. And when we use our gifts, that light shines well beyond the walls of this church. You know, salt only works when you put it into something. When it's in contact with the things that it's meant to preserve. So Jesus is telling us that we need to be active in what we do. We need to, to be in the mix, so to speak. And we need to let that light shine as well. We promote Jesus when we use our gifts. We promote Jesus when we become the salt that he intended for us. And when we use our kazone, we're letting our light shine and we're using that salt. So if you've completed your, your spiritual gift survey and you, you, you have a starting point, you have a place to begin. And if you're not sure where to go to next, well, reach out to Pastor Ricky or myself or to Pastor Gill. We'll, we'll connect you up. We want you to be connected. We want you to be involved. I, as a matter of fact, we encourage all of our new members to complete a spiritual gift survey just so they can help connect with the ministries of our church. But most importantly, when you use your gifts, like Jesus said, and you don't put them under a basket, you are showing God. As we start to emerge from this pandemic, like Pastor Ricky said, there are going to be so many opportunities to serve there are going to be so many people who are looking to try new things. It's the perfect time to get involved and to jump in. If there's a ministry that you want to join, this is the time. Shout out what your, uh, what your spiritual gifts are and, and use them. And let your light shine wherever it is, whatever it is that you do. But remember, we especially need you here. You know, all the ministries that I mentioned and the people who are involved, 
don't happen without people. They don't happen without people who are willing to use their gifts. And like I said at the beginning, all those people who I mentioned, the one thing that they had in common is, at some point in time, they all took the first step. This is the time for you. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we, uh, we give you thanks for all that you do for us. That, that Lord, as you molded each one of us, you, you created us in a way that, that had gifts and, and a purpose for each one of us, Lord. And we know that, it, that sometimes it's, it's hard to find what that is. But Father, we also know that if, you, if we look to you, you will, you will give us that direction. And Father, we know that, that you are illuminated when we use those gifts, that other people see you through our actions. So Lord, we'd ask that you would continue to encourage us, continue to, to give us strength and direction as we are willing to take that step to fulfill our kazone. As we seek ministries to join, as we live our lives and the jobs that we do every day and, and in our interactions with people. Father, we just give you thanks for, for all that you do for us for the breath that you give us and the life that you have granted us to live, we give you thanks and praise. Amen.